Chapter 1 I made two attempts to escape Styx's party. During the first, I got into the house only to be intercepted by Mrs P, who thrust a tray of sausage rolls into my hand, led me back into the yard and asked me to circulate. Circulate? I circulated once. The girls waved no and the guys just gave me their empties. When Mrs P turned her back, I made my second. Some people needed to stand in the thick of things, but I was quite comfortable with something to eat and somewhere to watch things from. Sometimes, life just made more sense from a second-story window. The Titanic-themed party played out like a dozen simultaneous games of Pac-Man. Girls dressed as first-class passengers strangled the necks of low-carb beers and moved strategically around the yard, avoiding the upper-class gentlemen and seeking out the scruffier Jack Dawson types who didn't wear shirts under their suspenders. Mrs P was far less discriminating. She'd taken a hard-line approach to the responsible service of alcohol, introduced, introducing on conversations to ask guests' dates of birth, to see their IDs, sorry, I should say, intruding on conversations, to ask guests' dates of birth, to see their IDs and to taste their drinks. Sampling his drink for traces of bourbon, she asked a steerage passenger if he'd seen me. I pulled back from the window and collided with a giant Chinese ornamental dragon. Styx collected adventure memorabilia. It all started in year nine, when he'd woken up with a galvanised tin letterbox in his bed and no idea how it got there. As his nighttime outings became more frequent, his collection grew larger and more ambitious. It now boasted lawn ornaments, traffic cones and a pair of golden arches from the roof of a certain fast food outlet. Every time he'd nick something, I'd been there. I'd been the one asking if he really needed a giant Chinese ornamental dragon. Yes, the answer was always yes. These acquisitions weren't random though. Each came at the end of something. The galvanised tin letterbox wasn't just a galvanised tin letterbox. It was Ed Bellamore's party. It was Sticks attempting 100 beer shots in 100 minutes, getting to 40 and needing me to carry him home. It was us passing a galvanised tin letterbox on the way and him insisting we had to have it. And it was him waking up the next morning wondering why he was in bed with a letterbox and me having to explain the events of the knife right back to him. It was a moment, and when you put all the moments together, the letterboxes, the speed limit signs and the condiment bottles, you get a sense of how chaotically awesome it was to have sticks as a best friend. He cleared his throat. You do know that when you tell the internet where you're hiding, it's pretty easy for people to track you down, right? Styx was standing in the doorway, his weight against a sing single titanium crutch. He wore a black tailcoat and pants, a white vest and bow tie, floaties on each arm and a snorkel around his neck. Well, your mum hasn't found me. I raised a sausage roll. You want? Sure. He held out his free hand. The pastry soared over his shoulder and landed a little way down the hallway. You know, sometimes I really wonder why I'm friends with you. 
the letterbox. 40 shots. 47, thank you. 47 then. You threw it up in my hair. You were in the way. You made me give you a piggyback. Sticks scrunched his eyes closed. Well, I'm sorry some of us aren't as able-bodied as you. We had been friends since the very beginning. Buckley's College Orientation Day, December 1999. The graduating kindergarten put on a production of Chicken Little. A light morning tea followed and parents mingled. I presume lots of mothers said, my so-and-so is very bright for his age. And lots of fathers exchanged looks that said, I need a drink. In the dying minutes, someone tapped the back of my shoe. I turned around. He had four legs, two of which were some kind of metal. He'd hit me with one by mistake. Sorry, he said. I wasn't bothered. He was already infinitely more interesting than the kids my parents were trying to set me up with. He had four legs. Are you a robot? I don't remember how I asked it, but I imagine my eyes were slightly narrowed as I was equal parts excited and nervous to meet a real-life C-3PO. He shook his head, his blonde bowl cut moving with a two-second time delay. Then what are they? I asked, pointing at his navy blue forearm crutches. My legs won't listen, he said. I stared at them for a moment, then bent out after the knee. That Sorry, they bent out after the knee. Cool. He was called Lucas until high school, but by then he'd caught on to the fact that cerebral, cerebral palsy made people uncomfortable. So he rebranded himself like a shamed corporation after a PR crisis. When people asked what he had, he called it CP. When they asked his name, he called himself Dix. We'd been friends long enough to catch each other's bad habits. When he started biting his nails, his mum blamed me. And when I started cocking my eyebrow in photos, my mum blamed him. We weren't the exact same person. He was three times four and I was two times six. We both equaled 12. We were just made of different parts. Sticks crossed the bedroom. The more he drank, the more his walk resembled an interpretive dance. His joke, not mine. The dance was in full swing below us. Sorry, the party was in full swing below us. Excited about tonight, he asked, grabbing a sausage roll. In the hierarchy of my feelings about tonight, it went fearful, nervous, then excited. Uh, yep, I said. What time do you have to leave? Soon. Boo. Hold on. His phone was ringing. He polished off his sausage roll, licked his fingers and struggled with the contents of his pocket before plucking out his mobile. He consulted the screen. Crap! Mrs P was underneath the hill's hoist. Her scowl was illuminated by the fairy lights she'd draped over the rotary clothesline. She had her phone to her ear. Hi, Mum! Her voice carried up through the window. Humour me, Lucas. I was looking around for my darling son and I couldn't find him. Where is he? Look up. She looked up to the night sky. Sticks sighed. Yes, Mum, I'm floating in thin air. Well done. She lowered her gaze and noticed us at the window. Well, I looked up. You know, there's no harm in being specific, she said. What are you doing up there? Small deviant things. Lucas. 
Bill was looking down girls' tops, he said, briefly glancing my way. Am not. It's a serious addiction, Mum. He's totally obsessed with airbags. Can't get enough of them. Well, he has my condolences, Mrs P said, snatching a captain's plastic cup from his hand as he walked past. She gave it a whiff and shook her head. The captain kept walking. Thanks, Mum, because I totally don't need friends, Sticks said. Who are these people? She glanced around the yard. They're mates. All of them? Yes, be glad your son is popular. Come down, will you, the two of you? But Mum, airbags, Sticks pleaded. I know for a fact that you don't like airbags. He couldn't argue with that. Fine, he groaned. Mrs P ended the call. I had cleared half the length of the room before I caught myself walking too fast. I took a swig of water and gave Sticks time to catch up. When he had, we continued together, slowly. Mrs P was in the kitchen, fanning a tray of party pies with an oven mitt. Bit hot, she said as we approached the counter. Sticks patted his breast. Thank you. She rolled her eyes. My son, the comedian, she said. Bill, I'm going to need your help taking these out once they're cooled. He can't. He's bailing, Sticks said. I have to take my grandmother to church for Easter, I added. Mrs B P thought about it for a sec. Wasn't that last week? No, Mum. Greek Easter, Sticks said. Ah. What I don't get is, he added, why can't Greek Jesus die on the same day as normal Jesus? I had no clue. Sticks reached for a pie and his mother slapped his hand away. So, Bill, how's your mum? That was not so subtle Mrs. P code for, is there anyone special in her life? She's good. I tried to sound enthusiastic when I added, she's at an over 40s speed dating thing at the RSL. That sounds horrible, Sticks said. His mum glared at him. Lucas! He was right. It did sound horrible. Mum, on an assembly line of middle-aged women hoping to hook the man of her dreams with a five-minute conversation and a cocktail dress. And what if, ridiculous odds aside, she met a quality guy? What were they supposed to do on their 20th anniversary? Regale guests with the story of how they met at a meat raffle? After Dad, I always thought Mum deserved more the second time round. Mrs P sighed. It's so hard to meet people nowadays. My brother, she gasped, struck by inspiration. We should set her up with Sean. No, Sticks said. Who? I asked. My uncle. What's wrong with that? Mrs P asked. I think it's a great idea. You said terrible wrong mum it's a terrible idea the back door slid open as soon as i saw the oversized singlet nipples exposed and the skinny leg jeans i knew we were in for something special the guy traipsed towards us like he was too cool to walk in a straight line or too drunk he almost tripped over his feet okay definitely too drunk i didn't know they had Douchebags on the Titanic, Mrs. P muttered. I stifled a laugh as the aforementioned douchebag collided with the counter. Mrs. P was already fetching him a plastic cup of water. Cool, I'm starving. He went to grab a pie. They're hot, Mrs. P said flatly. He ate it in one go, or at least he tried to, until he gave up and spat it out into his hand. 
He stared down at the contortion of mince and pastry on his palm. Ow! He was panting. Hot! Mrs P winced. Yes. She tore a kitchen wipe off the roll and held it to him. Go on. He wiped the half-masticated pie off his hand and exchanged the scrunched-up wipe for a cup of water, which he sculled. Mrs P watched. It was obvious something was brewing. Sticks went to protest preemptively, but his mother raised a finger to silence him. What's your name? she asked. Jared, he said. Jared, Sticks said right afterwards. It wasn't convincing. Now, Jared, whose party is this? Mrs P asked. He seemed bewildered. Sorry? You don't even have to give a name, she continued. Just point. One of these two boys. Whose birthday is it? Oh, Jared glanced between us before he pointed at me. Sticks sighed. Fine, I'll show him out. Jared asked, was I wrong? Mrs. P nodded slowly. Bummer. She led him out and he shuffled drunkenly across the yard, losing a shoe on the way. I went to say something, but Sticks stopped me. Once Jared had hopped over the brick fence, a feet in skinny leg jeans, he looked back. I expected him to bring up the fact that he was missing a shoe. Nice party, man, he said, and kill a walking stick. Sticks waved the forearm crutch. You be careful, random drunk dude. I will, random birthday dude. When Jared was well and truly on his way, Sticks retrieved the shoe. Another stolen moment. To remember tonight, he said, when my best friend ditched me on my 18th for a girl he's only ever met twice. Once, I corrected. That's worse. It was your idea. I was already walking down the garden path. When I got to the gate, I turned back and smiled. Happy birthday, Lucas. He pointed the crutch at me threateningly. Fix.